Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business, well-being and chocolate. Hello and welcome to Hope and Patience. It's me, Amelia Rope, ex-chocolate creator, now podcast creator and your host. If you're new to Hope and Patience, it's great to have you here. We're going to be exploring, delving into the stories of founders and dipping into pearls of wisdom from wellbeing experts. It's about discovery. The guests will be inspirational and the precious insights shared guarantee to be absolute gems. So as a founder, I struggled with mental health at times. I feel in a way it's sort of mental fitness. It should be a workout. And I think we're going to talk, I hope we're going to talk quite a lot about it on the podcast. When you're a founder, the pressure is huge. There is a danger to internalise the stress, whether in case you don't want to share it with investors, maybe you don't have a business partner, or maybe you don't want to burden your own partner. My my guest is very much connected to mental fitness, mental health. He's a real example of resilience. He's the founder of Head Talks, which is a non-profit digital mental health and well-being platform. So a huge hello to Oliver Chittenden. Hello. Welcome to Hope and Patience. Thank you very much. So, Oliver, Head Talks is the most f- incredible, um, you wouldn't call it a business, social enterprise, support? Yeah, it's a it's a community interest company. Um, it's not a charity because I don't want to go down that sort of more bureaucratic route and it's given us more flexibility. But, yeah, it is non-profit and um, it's it's a free resource for, for everyone really to, to get a, a sort of support and ideas of how to how to boost their mental health and well-being. And your your sort of commercial aspect is as a specialist agent of the London Speakers Bureau, which is must be an extremely full-on demanding role. And then you've extended onto that to build headtalks.com. What was the trigger? What was the catalyst that made you feel compelled to, to set Head Talks up? So... Yeah, I, I've worked as a speaker agent for 20 years and um, it was the first job I got out of um, college. Um, I just answered a newspaper ad, actually. It's not something you train to be a speaker agent. And I've, I've I've felt very fortunate to work with lots of diverse people from politicians to business leaders to to sports people to all sorts. And it's um it's it's been great. And I've always enjoyed it and I still enjoy it. But through my career... I I had one breakdown when I was 27. I was I was working in Brussels at the time, and I sort of had no no concept of what uh, mental health was, or or what what you know had no language for that. I was I was young. I was 20, 27, and I was uh, I was fearless. I was ready to conquer the world, and I just got hit by these waves of anxiety, and um, I just didn't know what it was. And anyway, that led to a sort of um, spiralling of, uh, of um, drugs and alcohol, and I call it the year, my year on the run, when I, I basically was running away from the problem and, and uh, actually ended up in Australia um, being picked off a pavement and flown back to a treatment centre in London. And, and that was my first kind of brush with, with, with mental health, which is comparatively late for, for most people. Um, often it, it springs up in adolescence. But I, I actually, I thought I've got to get out of London. So I went to live in the middle of nowhere at the bottom of the, the Alps 
um, just lit, I mean, tiny little village. And I had a really great time there. You know, my best friends were 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds. I went days, weeks without speaking to anyone. And I sort of had quite a sort of monastic lifestyle. And it was a great period of my life. And um, I was able to keep working uh, through that. And I wrote some books. And, and um, yeah, it was a really, really special time. And then, and then I got married and had children. Everything changed, you know, for the better. But obviously, it's a different, <laughs> different things going on. And then I was in uh, London and, in fact, no, I was in France at the time, I remember. And um, it got me again. So I had 10 years kind of clear almost. And then, bang, I was back in, literally like a hammer blow. And I was like, fuck, oh, not now, not while I've, I've got a little kid who's, you know, one year old, barely, a wife who doesn't speak French. We're in the middle of fucking nowhere. And this is not what I need, you know. And I'm talking like panic attacks. Mm -hmm just like just holding on for dear life at the end, end edge of a cliff and that led to another gory story which I, I won't go into huge detail about but it ended up I was in a hospital and all my organs were shutting down from kind of I think the trauma of holding on for so long because I think a lot of mental health you know is 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 held in your body um, even though you may think you're not stressed you know actually the constant stimulation and stress you know it, it holds itself in your body and um, and that's that's what I was told was all my organs were just kind of break, you know, closing down. And I was in a really bad way in hospital. And do you and remember any of that? I remember being on a hospital bed, just thinking, "This is it." I was actually in America at the time, and um, there was no one around me I knew, and I was trying to get better, you know. And and then I was actually getting worse. So it was like a real just a terrible time of my life and I mean I could hardly actually speak you know I was I was really sort of I was really broken I mean properly broken but I just remember thinking at the time that I've, I, I need to do something in this space you know in mental health space um, and I, I I had TED talks you know was was something that I'd sort of spent a lot of time using and obviously I you know it's very linked to my my work as a as a speaker agent and I kind of had this vision of TED talks of the mind TED talks of well-being and I had no business plan I had nothing I just completely freestyled it and um, I got my family back to England settled things down and then got going with with head talks um, and that was back in 2016 or so, when you launched 2016. yeah it's about two two and a half three years ago yeah yeah. So there must have been quite a lot of preparation with that. What I found fascinating is that looking at head talks is the way that you have started and managed to destigmatize mental health within the sort of higher profile people. I mean it's it's so refreshing to see the CEO of Unilever, Paul Polman, talking about mental health and acknowledging the issues. And Bruce Daisley, I think, from Twitter, um, Alistair Campbell, um, Scarlett Curtis, who I know from the Reading the Times. But it's how, how have you managed to get people to openly talk about it and not feel vulnerable? And they trust that you have you've created a very safe space, which is not an easy thing to yeah. do. I think I was lucky also because at the time the royals were really kind of, you know, doing their work with the stigma thing and, and only kind of a member of the royal family could s sort of smash through stigma and have that effect, you know, like Princess Diana in the mines. Mm -hmm. um, and I think 
that that was happening at the same time. So it was slowly being broken down. Um, but basically, I've always been kind of me. Like I've always been quite open, and um, and for me, it's it was just about being real and you know making it clear that I was someone who'd had my own troubles. And I just wanted to talk to them. You know, I didn't structure my interviews. I didn't prepare. I just just kind of knew I wanted to just sort of have a real real chat. You know, there's so few com- real conversations happening out there, you know, and I think those seem to be the things that move and inspire and make people cry and laugh. And, and so much of what we see in media is, 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 I don't know, heavily curated or fake or it just just sort of doesn't feel real and that that was my main thing and I'd often interview people who actually weren't there for having a lived experience of mental health but mm-hmm. during the interview it'd be like oh you were, they were homeless at one stage and and yeah they you know they had massive grief issues or or you know haven't slept for like 10 years you know and it's like bang you know wow so I, I don't know it's um it was just creating a sort of making it safe and just saying you know just no pressure you know let's just let's just have a chat did you realize that the people who ended up being ambassadors and talking to you actually had mental health issues i mean did someone say to you oh you should speak to them because i understand that they've had problems or how did it all sort of happen yeah i kind of followed my nose with it what i wanted was a platform that had a lot of variety and it wasn't just about lived experience, although I think lived experience is something that people really relate to a lot. Um, and in fact, I think, you know, that peer-to-peer support in um, in a crisis is really valuable, as is the medical, holistic, whatever, you know, family. But often, you know, if, a, if, a, if there's a crisis in a family or something, I think there's real scope to have more peer-to-peer support because it's just having someone who who gets it you know, who who's kind of experienced that that pain. Um, it's it's really hard to describe, you know, but it is it is like, you know, having a car crash and going through the windscreen and breaking two legs and not being able to move. You know, it's like in that case an ambulance would arrive within twenty seconds. But, you know, the men in the mental health world that can take six months to arrive, you know, but it's the pain is equivalent to that. Um so I wanted a real variety that the business leaders obviously is important because, you know, any change that's going to happen in the corporate space really comes from the top down. So you see Lloyds Bank, for example, the CEO there, Antonio Hortas. Yeah. And, you know, he he had spent two weeks in the Priory just sleeping um, not so long ago. And as a result, he's led this, this um, you know, this uh, campaign within Lloyds which has been really, really healthy, you know. And, and there are other businesses which have had leaders who've who've come out and said, this is really important. We need to invest in this in the short term and the results will come because happy workforce equals results. It's, you know, it's kind of common sense and it's coming through. So so that's the corporate space. And then, and then I wanted just ordinary people, you know, um, and social media influencers as well, because I want, Head talks to be about the next generation. I want young people to um, to really benefit from our journey, um, and then and then it was to mix it up with all the things that we can do to basically feel better about ourselves, to have better experiences, uh, happier memories, you know, be more productive, 
and and that's where I think the education is. It's it's um, saying to people, you know, this this is a this is a tricky ground to navigate. There's no one size fits all. Okay, if we go down the NHS route, we know it's pills and therapy. Both both are you know have have their benefits, no question. But there's so much more out there as well. And I think when we look at prevention of these things happening, especially in teenagers, you know, there are loads of um, things like, you know, cold water swimming. Um, I mean, meditation meditation and cold water swimming, I'd put up there as the biggest game changers actually in, in the mental health space. Um, but there's, you know, it could be singing in the choir, it could be running, it could be going into nature. Um, you know, there's a, there's a vast amount of things that, that we can do or at least try and see what sticks. And and I didn't want to impose that on people. I just wanted people to be able to navigate around, see what resonated with them and think, oh, I'll give that a go. Do you think um, moving back onto corporates and the business side, do you think that there's quite a, there's more mental health problems that are stirring that have been suppressed with the old fashioned style corporates? So the sort of city um, institutions yeah, I mean, I, stigma is most prevalent in corporates now. No question about that. You know, people are worried about speaking up, about their salaries, you know, about, you know, supporting their families and things like that. And at the moment, it is mostly being done off the side of a desk. You know, it's like, OK, we'll get a mental health speaker in or we'll do that little campaign around Mental Health Day. And it's like, tick, let's move on to the next thing. Some companies are taking it more seriously. Um but it's definitely a big issue um, and it's a growing issue. And I think, you know, the, I think I think it's just going to grow. You know, I think that the sense, the common sense of investing in your people's happiness is going to lead to happier teams, hence happier, you know, better results. So, you know, there's a long way to go in that in that space, but um, it's starting. And do you find with founders that there is a common thread as to um, why they might be compromised with their mental health? Is it financial? Is it the responsibility of looking after the team? Is it because there's something wrong in the business? Um, and 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 is that, as I was sort of saying in the intro, the internalisation of this thing where you don't really actively talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, being a founder, I mean, I, I was I was only ever a founder of um, of head talks, but you know, I think the most exhausting thing that I find is that you're the one doing all the pushing. You know, if you're not pushing, 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 mm-hmm. no one else is going to be, and I, and that is really, really exhausting. Um, and 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 that combined with sort of managing the other parts of a startup, you know, is is extremely challenging. And I mean. I, f- I felt it, you know, I mean, I collapsed about a year and a half in and, you know, there's no question it's challenging people in the corporate space. I think they have challenges as well. And I, I don't, you know, I think everyone's busy. Let's face it. We're all fucking busy. Yeah, we're all, Do you know what I mean? We're all stretched. I mean, it's just fucking utmost. nuts. Yeah, it is. Do you know, it's like yep. how, you know, when are we going to learn, you know, like to uphold these lives is exhausting yeah. us. I don't have notifications on my phone now. I just, that helped me so much because I used to get all these emails flashing up and it was usually a crisis of some order hadn't gone out or, you know, something hadn't been made on time. And I found that as soon as I took control of the situation, it really helped. Yeah, I know. I'm, I've am i sort of taken a bit of a spiritual route with it all now. And, um, you know, I actually think some of these, the simplifying 
things in life now are, I actually think you know going backwards is almost a good good way to go you know and and slowing down I mean it's 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 just so exhausting trying to keep up and I worry about the next generation mm. and, and kids you know and that and I you know I just think we've we've in the last 50 years human behavior and decisions has has um, been really poor and our happiness as a species has really deteriorated and we've also endangered our our existence through destroying our planet and we're leaving our the next generation with this mess to to clear up which actually I'm quite positive that they you know they're on they're onto it because uh, it's just being drilled in them but um they're going to need the support to do that and um I think you know I think it's I don't think technology is going to stop evolving and innovating but I just I think there are going to be more more routes to sort of um simpler simpler ways of life and people quite simply saying enough I mean I I noticed that on the sort of social media side is that people are mu- they are becoming mm. much more disciplined on it mm. So on to a bit behind your sort of mindset, because I'm always fascinated by how people think. Would you say that you are an optimist by nature or a pessimist? So I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. Um, I think maybe as I've got older, I've become more pessimistic. But I was always very ambitious and always wanting to do new things and excited about, um, you know, what lied ahead. Um, so, no, generally, generally, I'm an optimist. Actually, that makes me think of a very important question that was I should have asked before we moved on to mindset. So we just have to rewind a bit. Is that what are your ambitions for Head Talks and, you know, the funding, the growth of it? Where do you see it going? Yeah, it's it's really challenging. I mean, we're at a real crossroads now with Head Talks. And um, I actually really want to um, hand it over and put it in the right hands to take it to that next level because... Um, I've done so much pushing that I I would much rather um, some more capable and creative people were now taking it forwards. And I I would just sit back and do the things that, you know, I think I'm good at, you know, that play to my strengths. Um, But I like the idea of of head talks. I mean, we're going to have to become more commercially minded. You know, that's for sure. And, um, you know, we're going to have to start creating some digital revenue, which we're starting through masterclasses online. Yes, I've taken I've taken some or taken them, watched them. Brilliant. For £3.50, you watch a superb video. You harvest a whole load of information. I thought it was such a good idea. The the. You know, when you, that's one of your masterclasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so I mean, that's again, that's all been learning and just started to putting it, putting it out there. Um, and I like the idea of, um, I like the idea of, of some of our our trainers and, and therapists or people who are on the front line of this conversation of change and purpose, of sort of narrating more kind of um, well being packages. So turning the kind of you know, if you get inspired by a head talk, you can take that learning and take action and invest a little bit in yourself and have a sort of narrated well-being package. So um, it becomes a commercial vehicle that ultimately will help it grow and yeah, give more back. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's so exciting. I just, I mean, I met you just for the listeners. Um, I went to one of um, Oliver's talks, head talks. It was the most amazing talk. And basically how I met Oliver was at one of these events and we had a quick chat about Buddhism which um, to me certainly when I was in my 20s and struggling with life and understanding it was a real support and I became so sort of 
entranced by it that I went to see the Dalai Lama in Wembley wow. many years ago. Wow. That's that's how I connect in with Oliver. Back to the point, would you say that when you make your decisions, Oliver, do you feel that you try and get into a certain mindset to make the most effective decisions? Um, not, uh, no, not really. I tend to just dive in and, and hope for the best. I mean, I am a big meditator, um, so I do try and pace myself as best I can. Um, and so, for example, like meetings and things like this, you know, I would try and limit them in the day. Um, I find I, I find I lose lose energy and concentration in the afternoons. Um, so I actually gave up having a diary, believe it or not. People laugh when I say this, but I, it was driving me so crazy. It's like I had an old fashioned one. And I was, you know, scribbling things in and out and it was just stressing me out. And I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to get rid of it. And people are like, how, how, how are you going to organise your life? And I was like, I'm not sure yet. And But actually what's happened is I just have a, a, a wall diary at home, um, which is the family diary as well. And I, I'm very picky now. You know, um, at the start of head talks, I would go to every meeting, you know, because I was pushing, pushing. But now I really, I say say yes to quite, you know, not not so many things. Um, and the things I do say yes to, I, I, I hope, you know, that they're, they're they're going to be productive and they're going to you know they're going to be worthwhile type thing so but i'm i'm selective and i do much less do you have a photographic memory then so that you could remember your diary in your mind no and i often get things wrong <laughs> mind you it's quite good to get out of things dodge stuff isn't it you could say i haven't got my diary on yeah. me i only i only look at my diary yeah, in I've, the I've done or... <laughs> i've made a few mistakes i really have but it's worth it's worth those mistakes to to so that's sort of liber liberalization isn't it freedom so would you um, say you're an introvert, extrovert, ambivert? God, yeah. Um, it depends on the day. I can be really introverted and sit there saying nothing um, at a party or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you know, if I'm on form, I can, I can, um, I can let go as well. It really depends. You know, I, I, I just don't know, you know, what, where, how I'm going to be feeling um, but either way, I'm comfortable with either. So now we are going to head off into our chocolate break, which oh, is wow. a very exciting time. And you will hear the rustle of a pack. So Oliver has just declared before he came in the booth that he wanted to put in a request for a treacle tart. But because I said on the email, let me know your favourite chocolate or sweet, he didn't feel he could. So we've got, we've, we're lucky, we've maintained our chocolate fix. And how we're going to eat these and talk to you guys, I have absolutely no idea because Oliver's chocolate treat today is a Cadbury's chocolate oh God. eclair. I've just, I've just realised because I, I don't eat sweets really. Um, and I've got a bad feeling these are quite chewy. Yeah, they are, which is why um, we're going to be gobstops. I have this terrible problem with my jaw. I'm a clencher as opposed to a grinder. Yeah. And I've learned all about this through um, extensive pain. And, and uh, I, my, my mouth genuinely gets tired uh, towards the afternoon. And I actually, 
find it hard to talk. Well, get get <laughs> so eating. I don't know if I should eat this. Well, I... I've got mine in my mouth, but <laughs> I was trying to improve my voice oh. to, for podcasts and I watched this video. Maybe I'll let it melt in my mouth and I won't chew. See how that goes. <laughs> I watched this video by a voice coach on YouTube and part of the exercises to improve your voice was to chew as if you've got a toffee in your mouth. Wow. I don't think she factored in the equation that mm. you shouldn't have your toffee in the mouth when you can I just can interview. I just give a tip yeah um if you are a grinder mm-hmm. or a clencher um <laughs> we are talking mouths by the way yeah we're talking mouths sorry um it's really important if you're a grinder to get a hard splint gum shield that's what I've got but if you're a clencher a soft mm-hmm. one which cushion oh, cushions the blow and I got I got I had terrible times because a dentist told me one one way and then someone else told me another way and it's if I can avoid the pain I went through for anyone out there, then I'll just take that bit of advice. They're a really good investment, I have to say, that my my mouth guard is, is superb, although it's getting ground down. But I had apparently my jaw was aging to a sort of six year old. I mean, it was agony. I got earache and stuff. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's horrible. Absolutely. Just... But uh, for um, your one, clenching, what about mm. putting your tongue at the roof of your mouth? Yeah, Does I've, that help? I've tried. Listen, I've done Botox. I've done. Um, he knows this man. Acupuncture. I've had scans. Trust me, I've been through the hoops on this one. He's a pro. Okay, so briefly on the chocolate eclairs while we finish our ones off. They are apparently, or were apparently, created by taverners in the 30s. And then they were adapted by our dear Cadbury's, although sadly not Cadbury's anymore, dairy milk version in 1965. And there are variations like the orange twist and hazelnut and coffee. And they're called chocolates in India. So that's mm. a little oh, facts. Um, okay, onwards, onwards, onwards. Oliver, what does the words failure and success mean to you? Um, Oliver's still chomping on his toffee. <laughs> I guess failure is just sort of giving up the fight. And I feel like that quite a lot of the time. I just like think this is just too hard, you know. Like this life thing is like too much for me. But... I think the success comes hand in hand with that because I have children. So um, as my Buddhist teacher says to me, you know, you can be what's called a a slipstream meditator. You don't have to be in the river and be completely lead a monastic life in a monastery. You can be a householder. You can enter in on the slipstream and, and, and deal with your responsibilities. So keeping a balance on that. Yeah, success for me is just being able to bring up my children and equip them as best I can and keep that whole show on the road, you know. So on to the well-being aspect. I think it's very easy to neglect when one's really busy to look after oneself because you're constantly looking after other people. And um, actually, I found a quote I just want to read before we dip into the well-being side of Oliver's existence. So health is the greatest gift, contentment the greatest wealth, faithfulness the best relationship. And that is by Buddha. So, Oliver, do you have a daily ritual of taking care of yourself at all? I'll meditate every day. And how long do you meditate for? um, About 30, 45 minutes in one stint. It's Um, quite long. And I don't have a routine like when that happens in the day. Um, I'd like to do it in the morning, but I have to deal with the children and school runs and things like that. So often I'll go into a park if the weather's okay. 
or um, I've actually got this like meditation center I've found near where I work and I've got everyone now going to it um, and they do a sort of break between one fifteen and and um, oh I've just got to the chocolate, the chocolate part of my ah, and it's getting stickier <laughs> um, so yeah that that for me is a, is a regular I swim in the mornings and what I do is I swim and then I go to the sauna and then I go and collapse for about 45 minutes. So I actually often don't start my day till about 10.30. Wow. And no. then, but does your day finish later as you start at 10.30? No, no. I tend to... You're a smart worker then. Well, probably not. Um, I tend to nod, nod off at like four because I've just run out of steam, run out of energy. I was always someone at school who who did a lot in a short amount of time. So I would kind of learn things off by heart or whatever and then get it done. I, so I, I have periods where my attention and my um, efficiency is like peaking and I just cane it then um, and get it done and then I and then I, and then I nod off. Do you find that um, that is at a certain time of day? I certainly find that in the morning I am right on it. So at 6 in the morning, 6.30, my brain is ready to write, to absorb information. Come the afternoon, and actually, listeners, we mm. are doing this in the afternoon, my brain is is definitely yeah. more spongy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I organise a lot of stuff in the morning when I know I have to be on form. Um, there's no question about it. But I also I try and stay away from my phone till about 10.30 in the morning. I quite like arriving into the office, um, you know, without having looked at anything. Um, and then I, I can sit down, I can prepare myself and then, you know, look at my emails. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the things I, I do. I, I Oh, God, I have cold a, bathing. What I have about a the cold. cold I do the sauna and then I have a cold, cold shower, shower and then I collapse on the deck chair and, and, and sort of half meditate, half sleep. So that's another thing. Yeah, I always have a cold shower. Um, other things I try and, you know, I just try and eat sensibly. Um, a lot of it is common sense, you know, like, you know, we're in bed really early. Like, you know, we're so horrifically antisocial. Um, and, you know, I'm often in bed by 9, 9.30. Um, Do you get woken up, stirred by your Yeah, little, yeah, your yeah, that children. happens. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I get into nature. I'm walking a lot. I do a lot of walks. I I go on trails. I did a, a did a pilgrim trail last year up in Scotland, and I'm currently doing the one from Winchester to Canterbury, which is called the um, the Pilgrim's Way. So if it's a nice day, um, I might wake up and I might think, "Fuck it, I'm not going to work today." And I get on the train. I go and pick up where I left off the trail, and I'll walk for 12, 15 miles, and then maybe stay the night and do another 15 miles if it's nice weather. So walking for me is is really important. Um, I have to just put in a woman's question here. What about your lovely wife? My wife is just <laughs> happy. She's she is so well looked after. Trust me. I don't even want to open. She that does want to be leaping on the on the train and heading down to the Pilgrim's Way with you. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Um, no. Listen, I I have a good balance with all of that, you know. And and I I'm unashamedly, you know. People say to me like, that's you know. How do you how do you justify that? You know, sometimes I'll do the school run and I'll go back to bed afterwards because it's been so traumatizing and stressful getting them dressed, and getting them to school. And I'm like, I need to sleep for another three hours, you know. And the thing is, is that if I don't do these things, you see, you have to realize that I 
you know, I ha- I have to do these things, otherwise I break down. Yeah. So it's important. It's your maintenance, really, yeah, it to really prevent is. anything happening totally, in the future. Totally. And if I break down, I can't be there for my yep. family, you know, so it's of no use to anyone. And it's the same with me. You know, I go on, you know, long, silent retreats where you hand in your phone, you don't talk for 10 days, you know, and, and you know, my wife does find that really hard. Um, but she's also seen the results of it. And um, for me, you know, that's you know that's that's it's 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 survival yeah it's an investment otherwise it's, exactly it it is how you exist it's survival. and I, th- I i don't know what our listeners think but i think it's really really inspirational the way that you've done that and the way what you've been through has ripped you inside to your absolute raw state i would imagine and you've rebuilt yourself up and created something that is going to be a phenomenal legacy i think for a long long time and that is you know Brilliant, Oliver. It's really nice to hear that. And it's something that I think when you're a founder, you know, often you're so tangled up with stuff and life gets in the way. And it's the same in life generally. You don't pause to, t- to, to breathe in good things that happen, you know, and comments like that or little achievements, you know, we kind of need to stop and really let that sink in. And, I, you know, because I don't feel those things enough, you know, it's like things get in the way. And it's just it's just really nice to 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 be reminded of that. Thank you. I think it it helps fuel our tanks, and and you know it it me I think it means so much when people do make the effort. They shouldn't have to make the effort, but when they do make the effort, I remember getting emails saying I you know I ate one of your bars of chocolate and felt as if I'd gone to heaven. And I just thought, wow, you know, at least one person appreciates it because you almost you become sort of removed when you're running something. You're constantly thinking about the next thing. You're constantly thinking about getting that, keeping the momentum going and building your vision. I think, and there is that frustrating side of when you're running your own gig that you just don't stop and you don't just think, wow, look what I've done. That's it. Um, okay, so that takes me to another question that we're sort of skipping around. I'm sorry, listeners, this time. The inner critic within you, can it be quite harsh? Is it something that you've got totally under control and you're in a balance with? Listen, I, yeah, I mean, inner critic makes reminds me of kind of therapy and I go easy on myself now, you know, I really do. And um, I don't beat myself up. No, I don't. Because it, it, it wouldn't be good for me. And, and um, I try my best. And um, I think I'm a good person. And it's actually a bit of a, a vanity to sort of to judge yourself almost. You know, let's go with no self, you know, just just um, let go of that and um, just be. Amen. Amen. Okay, so do you have a favourite hideaway where you go to that you're happy to share? I guess in London it's a sauna. Um, being in a sauna feels pretty pretty safe. I quite like being in aeroplanes. Um, aer- Why aeroplanes? Just because no one can touch you, really, you know. Apart from your next-door neighbour. Yeah, <laughs> but I just feel, you know, I quite like aeroplanes. I can just sit back, the pilot's in charge, yep. and I don't get... F- fear of that at all and much rather someone else is in charge of my life than me um and um yeah i quite like it there and then i used to obviously have my my escape in um in france you know which was a wonderful place and now i guess it's wales you know on my retreats that's my real time to myself do you have um a book that you would like to recommend to our listeners that they should take a dip into i read a lot i think reading for the mind is what exercises for the body the Tibetan book of dying and living yes, is good. Herb. It's long. What else? I quite like travel writing. So I like hearing about people's journeys. 
Um, what have I read recently? I read... You should read Johnny Bilby's. He was, he's um, come on the show. He's written a trilogy, uh, which was his experience of when he lost his fiancée on a trip and how he sort of dealt with grief hmm. through travel. Very, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I like, I like reading them. things like that. So would it be possible, because the podcast is called Hope and Patience, after my two wonderful grandmothers, would you be able to give an example, Oliver, of when you've had to have dollop loads of hope and a bucket load of patience? Um, so patience, I think, is like being patient with the whole, like, baby coming into your life and, like, that whole kind of massive disruption and just being patient with the change that that takes. I mean, and and actually the same with marriage, you know, because both those things... Are I haven't so- done either yet. <laughs> oh, okay, don't worry. Well, but both those things, I mean, I'm still getting used to marriage and being a father. And this is, I'm, you know, 10 years married and, and my eldest is eight. You know, I'm still getting used to that. And it is a huge change. And I think so that that's definitely my patience mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then hope, I think, is when the darkness comes in and um you know tries to terrorize me it's like is i i yeah i i i need to have bucket loads of hope you know uh when that's around so is there anything that you'd like to share with the listeners is there a new masterclass or maybe um something that head talks is doing the he- the website everybody is headtalks.com i mean listen i don't like to sort of you know self advertise but you know, there is changes happening on Head Talks. It's a free... I think our newsletter is really good. It's superb. It um, is really good. I've And it's free up. and it's every Sunday. And I think that's a really good resource as a starting point. Um, and you get little video snippets on it. Um, I watched yeah, a snippet. Yeah, you get little snippets. Adrienne. So there's podcasts, there's videos, there's things like that. But yeah, I think keep an eye on it because I think it will turn into something, um, you know, hopefully big and, and beautiful. Um, and what was the other thing? Oh, I think magic mushrooms. Ah. So I think this is going to be a really interesting space that's opening up. And something I'm really interested in is the the healing benefits of MDMA and ecstasy and uh, magic mushrooms, kind of LSD. And I think this is an area that's opening up in mental health. And I think it's really fascinating because you've got to realize that we haven't come out with a, a they haven't come out with a new pill you know for a long time now i mean you know there's the prozac was the old one and all the antidepressants around it but actually a new drug there hasn't been one for a long time and i think you see what the effects of meditation are having these kind of old techniques and i think these things grounded in the in in history and in the earth you know i think there's more and more you know cannabis things like this. So I think, yeah, keep a, keep a, keep an eye out on keep all of that. Thank you, Oliver, so, so much for coming along today. It's been a real treat. I have really enjoyed it and I know that our listeners will have got a lot out of it. So thank you very much. My pleasure. So we've had a fantastic response to my little soliloquies at the end of the podcast, and um, which is really encouraging. I just wanted to read one out, which was on a response to Rowan and talking about how he viewed success. And it's a comment by Patricia Mitchell, who is a mixed media sculptor. Her Instagram is Patricia Mitchell Design, and this is what she said and her views of success too. Rowan said, it's not a bulging wallet that signifies success, which is so, so true. I feel success comes with self-empowerment, 
getting up in the morning and looking forward to the day and facing challenges. Being a mum and juggling a house, being a wife and running a biz is a job within itself. So thank you very much. Keep sharing all your thoughts via the website is the easiest way to go. So the book I'm recommending is Creative Visualisation by Shakti Gawain. I heard about it through Anya Himmarch. It's um, to do with visualisation. And if you are a slight cynic of visualisation, there is a quote from Oprah about the book. I do believe and I have seen in my own life that creative visualisation works. The quote I want to share with you is by Buddha and it is, The mind is everything. What you think, you become. So that leads me into my end thoughts at the end of this podcast. Often as a founder, you're asked, what's your vision, especially if it's to do with fundraising? And visualisation, I feel, is extremely powerful. I don't know if it's a subconscious thing or whether it's a conscious thing. I don't know if it's serendipity or whether it's coincidence, but... I visualised that I would get to meet William Sitwell. Now, why this was important was that I actually wanted to be a food journalist before I set up my chocolate business. It was the thing. And I was seeing a life coach at the time, and this is probably 15 years ago, and she said, get in an elevator and visualise who you're getting in with. You've got one minute to convince them to see you. Now, as you're beginning to realise, I'm a woman of words, so one minute in an elevator to get my spiel out is tough. Anyway, I visualised this, and then I wrote him a postcard randomly, I wrote him a postcard saying, I've been on MasterChef two times, booted off, want to get into food journalism, any chance coming to see you? And the, the point of this is, is that he then said, come and see me. And I had a meeting with William Sitwell, who then was the editor of Food Illustrated. And again, when we talked about catalysts with the podcast with Johnny, is that this was a catalyst for me because he said off the cuff, you're the next Juliet Binoche. And I was just thinking, wow, Johnny Depp, bit of chocolate, certainly. And anyway, it just gave me the confidence. So what I'm saying is that trust in visualisation. It's not a load of whoopee whoopee. Believe in your dreams and just keep them in the back of your head. You never know who you're going to meet and when you're going to meet them. So thank you all so much for finding hope and patience. I'll be back with another story soon. So make sure you subscribe to get the latest episode. And if you like what you hear, feel free to give us a positive rating, subscribe and spread the word. I'd also love to know what you'd like to hear more of, less of, and importantly too, none of. Just let me know again via the website. So until the next time, keep that sparkle. Bye. Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk or find Amelia on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Hope and Pat.